Author N.T. Wright says that we live between Advent and Advent. Briefly kind of touched on that as we began our worship together. We know the first Advent pretty well. We, we just celebrate it. The first Advent is when God's Son, the Father's Son, comes into this world in the flesh. We heard about it on December 24, and we heard about it again last week as Emily went to John 1.1, where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The birth of Christ. The first Advent, we, we see that God is making his promises come true, those, those covenants that he had, had given to the Israelites come true, but, but even something greater than what they had imagined comes true in the person of Christ coming to the world. For it was by Christ that, that he had brought a victory of restoration of all people back to God, where God could not uh, could no longer hold back his presence from people because of his holiness, but now through Christ, God's holy presence can be with us, even dwelling inside us, a restoration, a victory over sin and death. But we know less about that second advent, don't we? We know a lot about the first one, but we wait for this second advent, waiting expectantly for, for Christ to return. We wait perhaps knowing somehow in our minds that, that the fullness of God's kingdom will come to this earth. Perhaps it's even hard for us to imagine what the fullness of God's kingdom would look like, restoring and making all things new. No longer experiencing sickness. No longer experiencing bad health diagnoses. No longer experiencing death of all these things that were from the effects of sin. And we don't really spend this time waiting for that kingdom to come, just wandering around, or we don't, we don't spend this time just kind of twiddling our, our thumbs. There's a, there's a couple different ways that people say we could live during this time between the advent of Christ and his coming and the advent of his second coming. One of them, they say, could be called like fortification. We're going we're gonna to build this mighty fortress because a mighty fortress is our God, right? And, and we're going to we're going to build this mighty fortress, build these walls to try to, to keep everything out. We're going to host book-burning parties, and we're going to hold CD-smashing ceremonies. I don't think, I don't, how, many, I, how many people use CDs anymore? Okay, maybe we don't need those anymore. Maybe we'd have boycotts and all these different things because we want to keep the evil that is out there, all those things that that we don't want to invade our space. We want to keep them at arm's length to rescind into our mighty fortress and, and ignore everything that's happening in the world and just wait for Christ to return. Okay, that's an option. Another option is domination. We could, we could choose to dominate the world instead of shoving it 
shutting everything out and receding into our fortress. Instead, we approach each day as a battle for the Lord. And we go out to battle all the things that are in the world that are evil and, and seek to, to uh, face off against the world and, and fight for the things that are in his word. And it's always a battle, an ever, a battle that will never end until Christ returns, changing the culture and everything by force. Suppose that's an option too. And there would be another option, some would say, accommodation, right? Where we begin to accommodate to kind of what the world looks like, to kind of infiltrate among them and still holding our beliefs, but, but kind of, yeah, accommodating to what's happening in the world. And I don't think that necessarily sounds like a great one. I actually don't think any of them sound great. I don't think as we wait from one advent to the next advent that we're supposed to fortify ourselves and keep out everything that's outside in the world. I don't think that we're supposed to look at this world as a, a battleground where we need to claim dominion over and, and force people to believe what we believe, and, and I don't think that accommodating is necessarily where we need to go either. I think we're here, as N.T. Wright would say, as people in exile. We are people in exile much like in the book of Jeremiah when the Israelites went into exile. God told them to live in the city that had just captured them and seek the welfare of that city because if they sought the welfare of the city, then they too in their mission would prosper. We're, we're actively partaking along with the Israelites in this time of exile where we're doing the, the humble work of preparing our hearts and preparing the other people's hearts for that for that one day when the Lord will return here. That one day where we see God's kingdom more fully reflected piece by piece by piece here in this world and, and to realize that we might not see it in our own lifetime here on earth until we, we are joined in unity when God raises those from the dead. So how is it that we can prepare our hearts? How is it that we can we live in this time of exile in a way that's honoring to God? And I think that's why we're going to head to the Lord's Prayer because I believe the, the Lord's Prayer is a basis for us to see, to be able to see the kingdom realities that God has in store for us today and in our participation in bringing them to the Father and then bringing them to us. His prayer teaches us what it means and how we are to live between this first advent and the second of his return. So as we head into this new year, I thought it was just a great time for us to consider how is it that we are going to live out 2022 under the, the care of our Father in heaven. How can we be made more aware of our Father's revealing of his kingdom, what happened in 2021, but also is going to happen here in 2022. 
that we could together learn and, and maybe lean into this mystery of prayer where we bring things to God and, and God hears them and enacts His will among us. I hope that we're able to see that prayer as this gift that God has given us. A gift that we may express those deep-seated desires, those things that we would love to see changed in this world to Him. So let's head there this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Uh, I, I don't have the page number. Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 6 and verse 9. It'll be on the screen, I believe, as well. Hear these words. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that is where we're going to end today. The one we know ends, right? Uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, right? Uh, but that's a little bit more of a stylized, a little bit more of a liturgical prayer. Jesus, Jesus ended it at protecting us from the evil one. This is in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's preaching to thousands of people here on the, on the side of the mount, and, and he gets to a point in his sermon where he starts talking about the practical things of what does it look like to live a life where you're following Christ? What does it look like for you to live in that way? And, and so he teaches his people to pray by using phrases that were familiar to the Jewish people he was preaching to. Each and every one of those phrases that are in this prayer is something that was found in some other Jewish text. And he, and he placed them together. And he begins his prayer. He begins his prayer with, our Father. You know, he could, have, he could have picked out so many different images from in the Old Testament. When you consider God bringing about his kingdom, he could have started God's, or started this prayer by, by using like king imagery. The kings were often referred to as shepherds, so, so Jesus could have said, God, shepherd of your people. Jesus could have started out another way. He could have, could have basked in, in the glory of God's creative prowess. God, you are an amazing creator, creator of all the wor world. He could have focused on all the Jewish people and how God was the God of Israel. God, we come to you, God of Israel. He could have focused on the, the covenant love and faithfulness that God has. Oh God, you are faithful in all of your ways. But he didn't. Instead, he chose the word Father. In fact, if, if you went to Aramaic, the first word of the prayer is Father. Father. 
specifying Father in heaven because perhaps Jesus knows that, that this, this molding prayer that is going to work into the hearts of his followers needs to have some type of distinction between a father on earth and a father in heaven. Perhaps Jesus knew that not all fathers on earth would represent fatherhood in the way that God the Father in heaven would. Perhaps Jesus knows that some fathers are distant. They're they're maybe not present or not fully concerned with maybe what's going on in the lives of their children. And, And Jesus knows that the heavenly father is different than that. That that the heavenly father does not have to have his name yelled at the top of their lungs multiple times over to get his attention like maybe some of my children have to say at my house, dad, 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 to get my attention to snap me out of perhaps whatever I'm doing. God's presence is not distant. God's presence is always close. The words of prophet Jeremiah, who can hide where I, Yahweh, cannot see? For the Lord's presence is always near to his creation, always near and drawn close to those who are his children, to those who are his people. The Father in heaven is different than the Father on earth. Perhaps Jesus knows that fathers on earth don't always represent love and care and compassion on the earth as God would himself. And so Jesus invites us to pray to a father that's in heaven. Is that right? In heaven. A Father in heaven that we can be confident that He Himself does in fact love and care as we saw in the first advent to send His only Son who would redeem us and restore our relationship with Him that we could have a relationship with a Father in heaven. In Luke chapter 11, there's a kind of a, a comparison of earthly fathers and, and the heavenly father. And, and we read this in uh, Luke eleven eleven. Maybe. Logan, you want to give me a help? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, meaning you fathers, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit an even greater gift to those who ask him? Our Father in heaven is able to give good gifts to his people, and and we have confidence when we pray to our Father in heaven that the closeness and the goodness of our Father in heaven will come to us. When we, we call out, we can be assured that our God is, is for us and not against us. And the reason we can have that confidence 
The reason that we can have that confidence in calling God Father is because of Christ, as the Heidelberg Catechism said. It was through Christ that made us children of God. Through Christ, God has adopted us as his sons and daughters that we have become co-heirs with Christ. And because we are co-heirs with Christ, because we are his children, the God of heaven will care for his children. Later in this, this same chapter of Matthew 6, Jesus speaks of, of the concept of worry. Is anyone familiar with worrying? I am. I, I, I'm familiar with worrying. And, and Jesus shares with, with his, his listeners that, that look at the birds of the air and, and how the Lord cares for them. They don't, they don't store up food, and yet God provides food for them. Or look at the flowers of the field and, and look at how God cares for them and clothes them in splendor even though they're here today and covered by snow tomorrow. God, God cares for these things, these things of birds and, and flowers how much more then will God care for his own children? God sees you and he desires that you would be one of his children, a, a dearly loved for and a dearly cared for child of God. A child who settles down in their bed, resting their head on their pillow, falling asleep in the presence of the Father as they pray, recounting their day to the Lord and the ways that they've seen God involved and recounting the ways where they wish that God would have been more present and involved. It's this Father in heaven that we can come to that we don't need to, to limit giving him our hurt and pain. Our Father in heaven doesn't ask us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. He, he doesn't ask us to, well, come back when you can stop crying. He doesn't ask us to, to say, suck it up, I know you're not hurt. He doesn't say things like, it's time to get over it, okay? No, the, the, Lord, the Lord comes and says, come to me, bring me your burdens, bring me your hurt, bring me your pain, lay it all, lay it all down for me. Bring me your innermost desires so, so I hear them. God is probably more like the person who says, my feelings have feelings. God the Father, the one who, who knows all of the feelings, all of the ways that humans express emotion more deeper probably than we can understand. And he asks us to bring all of those emotions, all of those thoughts to him, that he, that he would be able to work within the world and, and shape the world to look more and more like those king, his kingdom, where he can take those areas of hurt and somehow impress his love and care and concern so deep in those areas that he can reshape it and reform it and remake it into something that is honoring to his image. It's through prayer that, 
that God changes the world, and it's through prayer that He creates individuals who are to be change agents. For when we, we pray to our Father, not only do we speak, but we have to be ready to listen, to be ready to watch for where He is speaking to us and how we are to respond to Him. It's this kind of old joke where a man was stuck on his rooftop in a flood, and he was praying to God that God would save him. And so all of a sudden, this guy comes up with a canoe and says, hey, I can save you. You get in the boat. No, it's okay. I'm praying to God, he said. And All right, the, you can just get in the boat. And I said, no, I'm praying. It's okay. And, and so he, he goes on. The boat leaves. And then a guy in a rowboat comes up, and hey, I can save you. Just you know, get in the boat. You know, the floodwaters are still rising, and the guy says, no, it's okay, I'm praying to God. And then, and then all of a sudden, this helicopter comes, and this, this guy comes dangling down. Hey, I can save you. Just come on, I'll attach you to this harness. No, it's okay, I'm, I'm praying to God. And then all of a sudden, the floodwaters rose too high, and he was never saved. And, and so... The man arrived in heaven, and he finally got to discuss the whole situation with God. He exclaimed, God, I had faith in me, but you didn't save me. You, you let me drown. I don't understand why. And God said, well, I sent you a canoe, and I sent you a rowboat, and I sent you a helicopter. What more did you expect? When we pray to God, expecting for him to do something in our life, we can't do so with, with closed eyes and, and closed hearts, expecting him to do it in the way that we think he's going to do it. Instead, we need to, to pray to God with an open heart to his kingdom and to how he is going to use his people in whatever situation that we are praying about. In, in prayer to the Father, we're praying that these situations experience God's love and compassion, and that might happen not supernaturally through, through God, but it might happen through his people because we know God loves using his people to affect his kingdom here in the world. God uses his people to prepare a way for his kingdom. We can see it even back in the New Testament where we didn't see Jesus just come we instead saw John the Baptist prepare a way for Jesus coming. And maybe that is what God is asking us to do now, to be the John the Baptist of the world, that we are preparing the way for the kingdom of God to fully come to this earth as we pray to God and, and affect his kingdom change here in this world by what he calls us to do. That, that we, by way of God's power, could, could free ourselves from the darkness and pain with our own hearts, that we could free others, too, from the darkness and the chains that are affecting them so deeply. When we pray, our Father, we recognize we are, we are standing under his care and, and we'll daily hear from him and he will speak to us, maybe not through his 
voice in particular, but through others he brings into our life. As we pray our Father in heaven, it gives us hope that there is a continuation of his kingdom here on earth. That God himself will bring about his kingdom values through his children. That he will reach into creation through his people, through the priests he has here on earth, through you and me, to make this world look a little bit more like our Father's world, to make this world experience more of God's love and more of Christ's hope. God uses us here in this time between that first advent in between, that second advent, as those who prepare the way. In reality, these words, these words of our prayer to our Father in heaven are, are really not for the faint of heart. They're, they're a, a prayer for the desperate. A prayer for those who recognize that this world is not as it should be. And that only our Father in heaven, by the way of his power and his spirit within people, can set things straight. It's a prayer for those war-torn nations who want peace, the peace that only our Father in heaven can bring. It's a prayer for refugees stuck in camps, It's a prayer for them that they would be accepted and welcomed home. It's a prayer for the, the lonely who so desire and need the hope of community. It's a simple prayer. It's, it's a short prayer, but it's a deep prayer. Recognizing the dependence is not upon ourselves, but upon our Father in heaven. Let us pray. Father, we come to you knowing that your will will be done. And it is our prayer that the way things are in heaven would be more so the way that they are on earth. Make known to us those areas where your heavenly kingdom does not align with the earthly one. Work within us by your spirit that we may see in effect change here in this world, making your love and your hope more present, not only in our lives and the lives of those we love, but also in the lives of those that we see from a distance. Lord, I, I pray that through through prayer, that we could bring the broken to you and that Christ would make them whole. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Today we have the opportunity uh, to be reminded of God's kingdom in a little bit different way. The one that had started to come in that first advent and the, the one that's going to be more fully realized in that second advent. And we remember this kingdom as we 
we come to the table together. We thank Jesus for giving this this gift that we may be reminded in this in-between place of God's kingdom and the Father's love, that never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love that he has for his people, that he was concerned so much with us in our helpless state of not being able to save ourselves that he would send one, as Emily said last week, to be our substitute, to stand in our place before the Father, that we would be clothed with his righteousness. And as we're on this journey in this in-between area, he wants to sustain us. He wants to, to fill us with his hope, and he wants to strengthen us for this journey as we live out his kingdom values here on earth. So would you please uh, read these words with me or uh, respond with them if we can get them. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray to God in thanksgiving for what he has done. Lord, it is with joy that we praise you. For you are a gracious father who deeply loves and cares for his children. You cared for us from the time of creation, calling us very good, making us in your own image and likeness, and then going on to keep a covenant with us, with our ancestors, which led to Christ. We thank you so much that even when we had fall into sin, that you too would continue to time after time reach out to us. Lord, it is our prayer that by grace that we may triumph over the temptation that we experience here in this world. By your spirit that we may be more fervent in prayer, but when, and also that we would be more generous in the love and the sacred empathy that, that you have shown us. Until that one day where we are gathered all together with all the saints and all the angels and all, all of creation to declare the holiness and the gloriness of your name. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We give thanks to God, not only for everything that he's done for us, but also for this gift of, of communion. For it was at the Last Supper in that upper room that Jesus gave this memorial of his sacrifice before it ever happened. He took the bread and he, after it giving thanks, he had broke it, saying, this is my body which is given for you. In the same manner, then, he, he took the cup and after he had given thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this every time you gather in remembrance of me. It's in the book of Corinthians that, that says, whenever we eat of this bread and, and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death in this in-between space until he comes again. Therefore, we proclaim with many others who have come before us uh, these words. Oh, I'll, 
Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray once more. Lord, it is our prayer that you would send your Holy Spirit. We know he's here already, but send him in a special way that, that this cup that we drink and this bread that we eat may be for us the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would strengthen us by your spirit and unite us with, with all the other saints around the world and all the other saints gathered in heaven that we may remain faithful in hope and love until he returns again and we are united with him in the glory and the fullness of your kingdom here on earth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. At this time, I invite the elders forward.